Good morning. How are y'all today? It's good to see you. Let's stand together. Open up with this wonderful Christmas hymn, Joy to the World. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let every see King. Let every heart prepare in room. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and nature sing. Joy to He is born. He is resurrected. Lord, we lift you and magnify you today. Have you come to bless the Lord? Have you come to bless him? Let's give him praise. He is worthy. We bless you, O oh God. We praise you, O oh God. Hallelujah. Let's sing to him. Give thanks to the Lord, our God and King. His love endures forever. For he is good, he is above all things. His love Oh! 
is worthy today. We bless your holy name, oh Lord Jesus. We magnify you. Hallelujah. We glorify you, Lord. We welcome you to have your way in this place today, Lord. Move like you want to move. Touch who you want to touch, oh God. Help us to be receptive to your spirit and what you want to do in us, oh God, as we lift you in this place, oh God. For it's all about you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. We bless your name, oh God. Hallelujah. We worship you, Lord Jesus. Just lift your hands and honor his presence. Hallelujah. 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 And blessed assurance, oh, Jesus is mine. He's been my fourth man in the fire time after time. Born of his spirit, washed in his blood, and what he did for me on Calvary is more than enough. I trust in God, my Savior, the one who
Just lift him up in this place now. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt him together. We bless you for your presence, oh God. We praise you for your presence. Hallelujah. 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 Continue to worship as you're seated. Praise the Lord. Isn't it good to be in church this morning? Oh, man, that was... Do you mind opening that? I'm sorry. And you guys think that I just do this just to get him to do it. Trust me. Have you ever tried to open one of these caps? I'm telling you. Look at him. He's already got water all over his pants and everywhere. Thank you, Brian. I appreciate that. I'm going to learn to start doing this before I start on Sunday morning so I can get a good swig before I start. All right? I'm going to do a few announcements before we get into the Word this morning. I have several things going on. One of those are today our ladies... Uh, immediately following service, they are going to be in the front area of the gym. There's a nice lunch that's been prepared for those that um, signed up for that. I think it was $20 per ticket. And I had about, I think we got about 35 ladies that are going to be over there this morning. So that's pretty awesome, isn't it? And so after uh, that, you'll be leaving to go to Greer, to Praise Cathedral. There's going to be a really nice uh, Christmas concert over there that you guys are going to enjoy, I know. And so uh, that'll be going on immediately following. On our screen, um, Chevy, do you mind popping it up for me for Grant really quick? Do you have that? Let's take, take a moment to do this. All right, as you can see, Grant is serving in our army, as many of you know. Grant Finley, CMR 411, box 6361. Uh, flip it back, that thing is on rotation. And so he's not going to be able to come home for Christmas this year. So if you want to Take a screenshot of that, snap of that. You can please uh, send him a card. It would really mean a lot to him. It takes about two weeks to get there. So if you're going to do it, you probably need to do it tomorrow. All right? Does that sound good about tomorrow? And uh, he'll be so excited. We're going to send one to him. I hope many of you guys will do that as well to let him know that his church family is still thinking about him over there overseas where he is. Also, Christmas children's party for the first through fifth grades is rescheduled for Sunday, December 17th, immediately following the service in the Family Life Center. They're going to have lunch served to them. Children should be picked up by 2.30. Nextly, we have Overflow Youth Christmas Party is rescheduled for Friday, December the 15th, 6.30 to 9 o'clock. Bring a $5 gift for Dirty Santa game, and they also will have dinner served. You can't beat that. There's a diaper shower box in the infant nursery. You go in the front hallway, turn right. It's right there, that door on the right. Nice, um, I believe it's a wooden-looking box in there, but that's where you put Hannah and J.D. Roper's little boys expected uh, here shortly in a few weeks, so we want to uh, put diapers there if you would like to do that. It'll be available all the way to Christmas Eve, de uh, December the 20th. Fourth. Amen. 
If you have your Bibles this morning, the book of John chapter 5 is where I want to go. John chapter 5. I'm not going to hold you any longer than an hour today. That's about it. Is that fine? Y'all want me to lean more towards 35 minutes? Is that better? It's 11.15. I got 46 minutes until 12. It's going good. John chapter 5 verse 8 is where I want to start. Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well. He took up his bed and he walked. And that day was the Sabbath day. That doesn't seem important, but in our text we're going to figure out it is very important. The Jews therefore said to him who was cured, it is the Sabbath. It is not lawful for you to carry your bed. He answered them, he who made me well said to me, take up your bed and walk. Then they asked him, So who is the man who said to you, Take up your bed and walk? But the one who was healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn a multitude being in that place. In other words, he kind of got out the way there. There was many times that they wanted to kill Jesus, but they couldn't get him because God allowed him to escape from them. It wasn't his time to be on the cross yet, in other words. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you have been made well. Sin no more, lest the worst thing come upon you. I, I, I want to, if I could today, that's my title. If I could today, I want to talk on this topic. There is no middle ground. I want to start off with the scenario of the picture that I painted for you. It is hard to start with this story and give you a, a slow entrance because this thing is really action-packed the way that it goes down. A matter of fact, it's already climatic almost when it begins. There is a lame man, let me clarify for you, a lame man, that means this man cannot walk, all right? He, is, he has been incapable of walking. A matter of fact, he has not been, had the ability to stand on his own two feet for literally 38 years, this man has been like that. Everybody with me? 38. To put that into perspective today, I am 40 years old. I know y'all thought I was in my 20s still. Thank you. If I would just get this gray hair dyed, it would work out, right? 40 years old today, that means that for 38 years of my life, to put it into perspective... I have laid by a pool just waiting. The, the angel comes every now and then and troubles the water. And the way the story goes is that if anybody gets in the water while it's troubled, immediately they are made whole of whatever illness they have. If they're blind, they see. All right? If they're lame, they're, they're walking. If they're dead and they throw them in the water, they're rising up. I mean, the miracle happens to whoever gets in that water first. This man has tried for years and years. He has been unable to. No man will help him get in the water for 38 years of his life. This is a condition that he has lived in. But when Jesus came by and healed him on the Sabbath day, the Bible said he took off running. Well, that's out of order, bless God. I want to ask you a question. If you put yourself in this man's shoes, wouldn't you run too? 
If you have sat there for 38 years watching everybody else go by and just wishing and praying and hoping that one day that would be you and all of a sudden the miracle come, wouldn't you be running to? He took off running, leaping, praising God. See, entitled people take blessings for granted. Do you know what entitlement is? Entitlement simply means I deserve it. The world revolves around me. It's a me, me, me mentality. I'm not worried about anybody else, anything else. As long as I get what I deserve in this life, I've been a good person. I deserve this stuff. Let me tell you something. We do not deserve anything in this house today. Everything that we have got, we cannot earn it. We cannot live a good life to get it. That is not the way it works. Anything that you have today, it is because of the grace of God that has come into your life and given it to you. The grace of God comes. He, he doesn't deserve it. I'm telling you, I'm so glad today. God, help us today. Help us today. The world doesn't revolve around me. It's really about Jesus. This man takes off running. He's leaping. He's hollering. He's praising God. He interrupted a religious service. And that was a no-no. We've got the priest standing up there in his royal robes and we've got him, he's, he's standing there and he's got the Torah rolled out and he's reading the, us the law of Moses. This is what Moses said to do. This is, this is what the Old Testament says. Let's just read it together. Your people aren't living holy enough. You people aren't clean enough. You don't pray. You don't fast enough. There's no, oh, you are dirty low down people. Don't you wish you could be like me? Don't you wish that you could be as holy as I am? I'm the priest. I'm a holy man. Look at you peasants out here. This is what's going on in the temple. But a man that has just been healed runs in there and starts shouting and running through the crowd saying, my goodness, I've been healed. To the priest that is more concerned Jesus has been prophesied. He's coming. We're celebrating it at Christmas. He's going to be born into the manger. There's going to be a Messiah. There's a Savior coming to save his people from their sin. He's been prophesied, but the priests, they've missed it. They're not even looking for him. They don't know who he is. He's too busy preaching about art, guys. Now, now when y'all get ready to, to put on your shirts, you better make sure you ain't got wool and linen mixed together. Well, thanks be to God, finally, we can wear a wool and linen shirt. Thank God that we can have polyester and cotton in one shirt. These are the type legalistic man-made traditions that have been passed down from generation to generation. You can't do It's a checklist. You can't do this. You can't do that. You can't wear this type clothes. You can't mingle because it's a mixed fabric. You can't do that. This is what that priest is busy teaching the people when all of a sudden there's a guy that came in shouting saying, look what the Lord has done. He is showing the congregation there is a living, miracle-working Jesus. He is here. But when he did it just like people today that encounter a miracle, do you know what the religious people did? Now, I'm going to tell you something, Gene. If you come running through that door one Sunday telling me God healed somebody that couldn't walk, and 
or if he heals you of something that seemed impossible, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to kick a leg too with you. I'm going to shout hallelujah. But oftentimes when miracles come into people's lives, people get upset about it. Can I tell you, whatever happened to the church of Jesus Christ where we celebrated when God did something for that girl right there? When, what happened to the body of Christ that when God did a miracle for Coy, he did a miracle for me? Whatever happened to the day that we were brothers and sisters in Christ and when one person gave a testimony, our heart got glad because God worked a miracle for them. No, no, no. Nowadays, people get so upset. Well, God worked a miracle for them. Why ain't he worked a miracle for me? And that's probably why he hasn't worked a miracle yet. This man is celebrating while the leaders are angry. The religious leaders are angry. Be happy when God blesses your brother and sister in Christ. Celebrate with them when God gives them a new vehicle. If God did it for them, you ought to not sit there and say, I wish I could have one. Just celebrate and thank God for it. Your blessing's going to come. You just keep seeking God. And you just keep being faithful. I promise you, sooner or later, God's going to give it to you too. But you've got to learn to celebrate with other people's successes. That is why the church has struggled for years and years because we have played combative with one another and we have thought well this is their church this is our church and we are fighting against one another listen to me folks if you want to go to another Bible believing church go if you feel God told you to go who am I to stand in between you and the voice of God I'm not talking about if you get angry and you say I'm leaving that's not what I'm talking about I'm talking about if God says, hey, I need to use you here. I'm go- I need you to do ministry at this church. It's hard to let go of some people, but sometimes God calls people that are gifted out of your church to go somewhere else. We celebrate with them. The church ought to not be fighting with none. That's religiosity. But when we get kingdom minded, we say, my goodness, I want God to bless my church. But you know what? Another church down the road that preaches the Bible, I'm praying that God would bless them too. I want God to fill these seats. I really, really do. But I also want God to fill the church over their seats. We ought to celebrate when God does good things for his people. This guy... They're angry. What are they angry about? Why are you so ticked off right now? I can tell you why. Because you're carrying that bed on your shoulders. Are you kidding me? People are not supposed to do any kind of work on the Sabbath. And carrying your bed on the Sabbath was considered work. And people were not supposed to do that on the Sabbath. He had just had a miracle, a miraculous healing in his life, but they are upset that it happened on the the Sabbath day. I need you to grab what I'm trying to tell you today. It happened on the Sabbath day, a.k.a. the Lord's day. There's some, have you ever been around people that say some dumb stuff? And when you hear them, you kind of turn your head to the side and you say, wow. 
You cannot believe it. This is a wow moment for me. That the religious leader, the pastor is behind the pulpit reading a, a Torah that's got all these guidelines and all of a sudden a miracle has happened and all he can do is complain, why is your bed on your shoulders on the Lord's day? Wow. Wow. Because what I'm saying today, what better day than today. I am sitting here as a leader and I'm saying what better day than to get a miracle on the Sabbath day. Is everybody still with me out there? I mean, what better day? I mean, you can wait till tomorrow if you want to. If you know, I shouldn't do that on the Sabbath, whatever. You can do what you want, but I need a miracle today. I need God to move for me right here and right now. I don't care if it's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, or even if it is Sunday. What better day than right here in the house of God, God working a miracle for his children right here today? I will not get mad with you if God decides to do that. But they completely missed the miracle. And this is what religion does. They tried to find a reason to discredit the miracle with some religious tradition that was broken because of what Jesus had done in their church. The priest is up here. We've always done it this way. We've always done it this way mentality will kill a church. The reason people die, the reason churches die, is because they refuse to change. They say, we've always done it this way, and because we've always done it this way, you should not change it. And I've got a priest in the house that is saying, we've always read the Torah at this time. We've always read all these lists of rules on this time. Who do you think you are to come in here shouting, you've had a miracle. This is out of order. You cannot do this. We don't do things this way. But Jesus calls us out of our comfort zone, ladies and gentlemen. He does it all the time. Peter and James, they've been fishing their entire life. That's what their trade is. This is traditional. This is the way it has always been. You see, oftentimes, how did fishermen work? Well, they didn't just pick it up one day and say, I want to fish. Most of the time, do you know what it was? It was that their father was a fisherman. His father was a fisherman. And their father, you get the point. Generation to generation, we've passed this thing down. Because daddy was a fisherman, it's kind of like preachers. We try to do it to our kids all the time. I'm a preacher, so because I'm a preacher, you've got to be a preacher. My God, and I've seen some that they've tried to raise up as preachers, they shouldn't have been preaching. Don't everybody shout at once. They did it because daddy did it. That's the absolute one reason you shouldn't do it. Man, i got to go today. The fisherman had been fishing for years. It is passed down. It is generational. But all of a sudden, Jesus comes to them and he says, the way that you have always done it is about the change. You've always done it this way, but there is something that is about to happen. You are no longer going to be fishing for men, but now you are going to be fishing for fish. There are times 
Now, you're not fishing for fish. You're going to be fishing for men. What God does is he brings them out of their comfort zone and says, I am about to change the way that things are done. That is exactly what has happened in our text today. So later, Jesus meets this man in the temple and he tells him that now he had a new life to live. And he says to him, go and sin no more because something worse can happen to you than not being able to walk. What is that? You guessed it, it's a place called hell. So he says, you go out and sin. 38 years of not walking isn't going to be anything. You looked at that pool of water for years and years. When you get to hell, if you don't serve me and keep me as your Savior, he said, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. You're going to be begging for water. You're going to be begging for just a drop. So he says, I want you to go. Jesus was saying, if the Lord has delivered you, then I expect you to go and do more. I expect you to go deeper than you are right now. I expect you to grow deeper. I do not want you to get saved and try your best to, to fit me comfortably in into this little religious box and you just say I'm going to serve Jesus until he comes again. Don't act like these religious people in the temple. You are different than them. Oh, but they're a priest. It doesn't matter who they are. They haven't accepted me like you have. Jesus expects. Somebody say expects. The key word. Jesus expects you. To go beyond what you had when you first got saved. He expects you to know more and to grow more than when you first got saved. There's no middle ground. See, see, watch, watch this with me. God says to us today, if a 25-year veteran in this way is no more close to me than a one-year Christian... There is something wrong, are you ready for it, in that 25-year veteran's life. If somebody gets saved and in one year they know the Bible better than you do and you've been saved for 30, you're not growing. You're not learning. And this is what God expects of us. And this is where it gets challenging today. This is where we're not going to run and shout like the man did in the temple. Because God is calling us and challenging us. And saying, I want more out of you. I expect more out of you. I expect you to experience more. That means I expect you to go through some things. I expect you to walk through the fire. And come out on the other side with victory. I expect you not to always get your way. I expect you to find yourself in the valley so that you can tell other people what it's like to be down there, but what it was like to get back on top of the mountain. I want you to go through that. I want you to experience some things. And that way you can help somebody else that's struggling with it below you. I expect you to be more, have more fire in you today than you had when you were first saved. I expect you to hunger and thirst for God. I need that inside of you. I expect you to go on now that you have been delivered. There is no in-between. There is no middle ground. You are either growing, you are getting stronger, you are moving forward, you are going higher, or either you have turned and you are reverting back to your old life. Whether you realize it or not, when Jesus delivered the Egyptians from Egypt, y'all remember that story. They've been making their journey at first. They're happy. 
Oh, how great it is to be delivered. Hallelujah. But then all of a sudden, tragedy hit. Pharaoh's chasing them. And do you remember what they said? They were living in victory. They had been delivered from their enemy. But even though they didn't realize it, they started speaking defeat and they had reverted back to their old lifestyle. What did they say? They said, Moses, what have you done? Why did you bring us out here? Have you brought us out here to die? It would be better if we were back in Egypt. See, there's sometimes that we speak defeat into our life and God is saying to us, all you're doing, you're reverting back. You're reverting back to that old way of thinking. You're reverting back to the days when you thought I wasn't able. You're reverting back to the days when you, when you thought that I wasn't gonna show up. But I need you to know I have showed up and I have delivered you and I have set you free and now I expect you to act like it. Now I expect you to give me glory for it. I expect you to praise me for the good things I've done in your life. Jesus, have mercy. There is no middle ground. When you get saved, you cannot just sit down and become religious. That is unbiblical. You cannot just sit down and say, I go to church. God has so much more for you than just coming to a church on Sunday. Somebody ought to say amen. I don't care today how long you have been a believer. You should still be going through the agony of brokenness. What does that even mean? I don't care how long you've been saved. When his presence comes in the house, it ought to break your spirit down like a little baby. If we get to the place in our spirit, ladies and gentlemen, that God can show up and God can move among his people and we can sit on our pew untouched and acting as if nothing has happened in that place, I'm telling you, we better hit an altar again. If the king of glory can walk through those doors and if the king of glory can begin to touch hearts and we can just walk out of here as if nothing has happened and nothing has changed, then we better hit the altar again because if God walks in this place, I want it to absolutely wreck my world. If God walks in this place, I want tears rolling down my face. I want to know that I've been touched by the power and the presence of God. Does God's presence still move you. I expect more, God says. You should be going through pains of growth. Yes, that's trials and tribulations. Oh, but so often the religious crowd, we try to put God in this little box. It's so cute. It's so predictable. If you got it contained, then you know exactly What's going to happen? The religious crowd tried to do that with God. They said, God is in the Torah. God's in the law. We've got him in this box and this is who he is. This is what he says do. Just obey the Ten Commandments. Just blah, 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 blah. And all of a sudden, God said, wait a minute. 
I'm about to send my son to the world and he is about to tear the lid off of that box and he is going to blow their minds. The Savior is about to come and all of a sudden the religious leader don't know what to do with it. He's got his service nice and tidy. He knows exactly what he's going to say. It's the same thing he said last Sunday. It's the same commandments he read last Sunday. But all of a sudden a man comes jumping and running through the crowd saying, hey, there's a God out there somewhere I am healed. I'm walking again. And all of a sudden, the lid starts coming off of that top. If we try to contain God nice and neat, I promise you God is going to shake up our world. Because He cannot be in a box. God cannot be predicted. God cannot be contained. And definitely God cannot be controlled. Ooh, pastor's preaching today. Thank y'all. He cannot be told how he's going to move. We cannot take him to our God. You know, I, I wonder what God would think of him. Hey, God, we, I'm going to be preaching about 1138. When it gets by 1145, I'm going to need you to drop in there and move by 1145. All right. I'm going to cough three times. When I cough three times, it's your moment. Who even thinks like this? We put God in this box and God is saying to us, you cannot do that. I cannot be told how I'm going to move. I cannot be told when I am going to move. He will move as He wants to move on those that have yielded themselves to the Holy Spirit of God and have invited Him into the house and have said, please come in here today, God, and do whatever you want to do. That is where God is going to move at. Who would have ever thought that Moses would have been leading Egypt, the, the Israelites from Egypt and all of a sudden he would take his rod and there's a stone and he would take that and he would hit the stone and when he hits the stone, guess what gushes out? Water. God's people are thirsty. You want water? Bing! Like a magic wand, you got water. Who would have ever thought it? Who would have ever thought that on the day of Pentecost, little tongues like as a fire are floating in the air? Like little rocket ships. I mean, I thought, I've often thought, what would you have done if you'd been in the upper room and that thing was coming towards you? I'd have been running like the guy in my text. Catch me if you can. But that Holy Spirit sat on each one of them, cloven tongues like as, a fire, like as a fire. They began to, who would have ever thought it? Who would have ever thought that Balaam would have talked to a donkey? But he did. Who would have ever thought that dead people like Lazarus, who'd been dead for three days, would rise up yet again? Who would ever think it? But in Isaiah 43 verse 19, this is what God said. He said, I am about to do a new thing. In other words, I will not be put in your box. And to the religious leaders that day... Isaiah was screaming at last. They may have missed it, but Isaiah was screaming to that preacher that day standing behind that pulpit that this man was healed just as loud as he could, saying, hey, man of God, listen up. I am 
doing a new thing in the earth and he would have called it and he would have recognized, oh my goodness, Messiah is here. God says, I am doing a new... See, this is what I need God to do. I want God... Oh, y'all ready? My wife and I have been married for over 20-something years. She has traveled and preached with me all over the place. When we were young and married, 18 years old, I had a camper in a truck. I figured out how to hook the thing up. I sure didn't know how to drive it. I went up a mountain one night in the hills of Virginia, Shenandoah Valley. Anybody ever been there? Beautiful, absolutely gorgeous place. I got to going up a mountain one night. When she looked at me, she said, this road's pretty narrow. I said, I know it. It really is. It'll be okay. I'll stay over here. Until finally, when we get halfway up the mountain, we see a sign. And she said, did that just say one way? I said, yes, it did. Everything's going to be fine. Let's just keep going. We're going up a one-way mountain. Can't, nobody could get around. It's just thank God. It's the grace of God. We made it to the top. No other car was coming down as we were going up. I'm going to tell you, I've been all over. I keep her on her toes. When I preach, I keep her on her toes. She never knows what I'm going to say. Been married to me over 20 years, and she still can't understand me. She has no idea. She can't understand me. I say things sometimes that I don't even understand. I tell her, it's in the moment. You just have to do it. I mean, if it pops in your mind, just say it. Isn't that the way this thing works, folks? I keep her on her toes. And I want to tell you what I want God to do with me. I want God to keep me on my toes. I want to come in every time I get into his prayer. I want to be on my toes and oh my gosh, what in the world is God going to do today? I want to be on my toes thinking what in the world is God going to do next? Because for those people that will not put God in a little religious box and keep it nice and tidy where they know everything that's going to happen and it's predictable to those people, God says, I am about to do a new thing. Can you not see it? I'm already working. I'm doing it right now. I'm going to leave you with this and I'll close. There are three issues and several questions that I want to examine really, really quick today. And I'm going to let you go. Issue number one, a question for you. Are you still hungry for God? Wait. Is there a real passion and hunger for God in your life. Can I say it this way? We need to stop filling up on junk food. Some, some of you kids have no idea what I'm even talking about. Now we just let you go to the pantry. But in my day, you didn't eat junk food before you ate the meal. Because you'd have collard greens and mustard greens waiting for you on the table whether you liked them or not. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. And I don't care how good that chocolate cake looks, son. Until you eat this place, you are not getting what they call I don't know why you call chocolate cake junk food. That's heaven's food. Junk food. And you will not have the junk food until first you have your nutrition, young man. You're going to have your vegetables. That's right. 
And I'm afraid that sometimes we come to church and we fill up on junk food instead of experiencing the real meat, the Word, what God is really wanting to do in us. Do you understand what it is? Junk food is a quick fix to a problem. It's a quick solution. It is what I'll call a Sunday-only person. I fill up on junk food. I'll go to church and I'll get my emotional kick. I'm not going to pray. I'm not going to praise. Don't everybody shout. I'm, I'm already too deep in the, the deep end of the pool. I might as well stay in for just a few minutes. Listen to me, folks. A quick fix on Sunday isn't going to get this thing done. God says to us, I expect of you. If I am about to do something great in your life, you are going to have to make up your mind that you don't want just a quick fill on Sunday. You are going to get up Monday and you're going to say, God, I need you today more, not every day. You're going to get up Tuesday and you're going to walk in the Spirit. You're going to get up Wednesday and you're still going to read your Bible. You're going to fast on Thursday. You are going to do something to show God that you are really hungry and passionate for Him. Junk food isn't good enough. We need him. We need to get to the place where we're saying, serving you is my life, God. Praising you is my life. Living for you, Lord, that is my life. Every single day, there is no in-between. I've got to have you more today than I did yesterday. Are you hungry for God? Secondly, do you need his word? Do you tremble at it? Have you ever have you ever been going through something? I've done it more times than I can count. You didn't know what to do, you didn't know what to say. You didn't know how to pray. But you grabbed that old Bible off the stand that had dust on it. You blew it off, you wiped it off. You said, God, I don't know what in the world you're trying to say to me. Please say it. Hmm, what does that say over there? And you'd look down and you'd read where your finger had pointed. Anybody know what I'm talking about today? And when you read that verse, out of this, out of all of these over thousand plus pages here in this print and I'm sitting here out of all these pages I landed on that verse for this moment what I'm going through that is exactly what I needed to hear I knew that God was speaking to me and it absolutely moved me it made me tremble I've stood there before and I've cried tears rolling down my face when I said thank you God that you still have not forgotten me your word still speaks to your children and I trembled I trembled. If you do not have a vital connection to the word, it is a sign that you have rewarded, reverted back. And a worse thing has come upon you. And do you know what that is? That worse thing is called religion. Well, I go to church. But do you know Jesus other than Sunday? There's no middle ground. There's no middle ground. Is this a part of your life? Is the only time you read your Bible when we put it on the text on this screen? Is that the only time you get the word? Because if it is, God expects more out of you. I, I know this isn't famous preaching. But what do you think they thought of Jesus? He had healed people, blind people healed. 
Dead people raised. And they come to hear a sermon from him one day. And he looks at a crowd that is waiting for another miracle. Because that's the junk food they've been filling up on. Their emotionalism. Oh, they feel full for a couple hours. But they're not getting really deep. They're not intimate with Christ. And Jesus one day said, you know what? I'm tired of this junk. I'm about to thin this crowd out. I'm going to preach a sermon and this is what I'm going to preach to you today. If any man will follow me, let him take up his cross, deny himself. And follow me. Do you know what happened to his congregation that day? They started scattering. That was right before he goes to the cross because there were people that said, as long as we can get the junk food, as long as we can go and we can hear a good sermon, as long as I can get a pep talk from my pastor that tells me everything's going to be all right. If I can hear an upbeat song and a good drum beat, then I think I can make it through tomorrow. But God is saying, I need more from you than that. I need a relationship with you. I got to close. Number three. Number three. What has your attention right now that you need to surrender to God immediately? Do you have any unhealthy attachments you need to let go of? Release it and let it go in Jesus' name. There is no middle ground. Go to the piano. I'm quitting. There is no middle ground that is not lukewarm. And God detests lukewarm. God said to Laodicea for you that haven't read your Bible in a while or haven't heard it. He said to them, I wish to God you were hot. I wish you were on fire for me. I wish you had a relationship. I wish you were intimate with me. But you're not. You're not. You're not on fire. You haven't taken up your cross and followed me. You've tried to put me in this little box. You try to keep Jesus in the testimonies. You keep Jesus in the songs. You may be even preaching about Jesus. And that's about it. You're not on fire. You're not on fire. He went on and said, I would to God that you were cold. I wish you were a cold-hearted sinner rather than being lukewarm. You are not hot. You are not cold. So because you are lukewarm, what am I going to do with you? That's the middle ground. He said, if you're going to stay in the middle, then guess what? You have made me sick to my stomach. I am about to vomit you out of my mouth. For those, the middle ground, I know what it is. It's what we call straddling the fence. Sitting on the fence. The world, baby. What my flesh wants, baby. But wait a minute, it's Sunday. Oh, whoa. Maybe I can get over here on this side a little bit. And we're stretched out. And we've got flesh on one side. And we've got spirit on the other side. And God said, wait a minute. There's no middle ground. You can't have your flesh and have your spirit. I'm closing with it. We talked about it Wednesday night in my Bible study. This is what God said about the flesh and the spirit and the struggle Paul goes through. He tells him, he said, if you walk in the spirit, you shall not fulfill the lust of your flesh. So in other words, 
if I start fulfilling the lust of my flesh, what does that mean? Black and white, it's simple. That means I am not walking in the Spirit. But God is calling to us. And He's saying, you can't be in the middle any longer. I need my people to pick a side. Either you're going to be on fire or either you're going to be cold. Either you're going to walk in your flesh or either you're going to enjoy the, the blessings of the Spirit. But you cannot have it both ways. Moses looked at the Egyptians and he said, Hey guys, I'm fixing to do something. I'm going to draw a line in this dirt. If you are for us, then you're for us. But if you are against us, then you are against us. So those that are on the Lord's side, I want you to come on this side of the line. And if you're not, you can stay over there. I feel like God is speaking to His church today. And He is speaking to every one of us as believers and He is expecting something of us today. He is challenging us. And He is saying to every one of us, I'm going to draw a line in the sand and I want to know who wants to be my real disciple and who doesn't. I want to know who wants a real genuine move of my spirit and I want to know who just wants an emotional kick on Sunday. I want to know who really wants to let me be God and do what I do or those that just go through the motions. I need to know where you stand. There is no middle. Let's all stand. I got, I got to close. I got to close. God. There's no middle ground. Religious, but not spiritual. I had a pastor a while back tell me, this is a true story. I'm not even lying to you or I'm dying. He talked about a praise team at a church. And he said to me, he said, they were at the bar Saturday night. They were drinking with the crowd and they were testifying and singing to them about Jesus. And then they came to church on Sunday and they led worship to the church people. Does anybody other than me see a problem with that? Anybody? Am I the only old school one that, that sees it? There's a problem with it. And I'm afraid that churches all across America today, they have chosen to try to stay in the middle when God is calling us to a higher place. And I'm telling you, I want more than that. Listen, I'm telling you, people get caught up in things. They get caught up in prestige. They get caught up in being somebody in their community. Those things, the house, the car, the career, will become less attached to when we begin to become more intimate with Him. In other words, earthly things lose their value. When it comes to him, who cares about my house if it doesn't have Jesus in it? Who cares about my junk and my stuff? Who cares about my car if he's never sitting beside me and he's moving on me while I'm driving down that road? Who cares? It is just stuff. Take it from me if you have to. But I'm saying, God, I need Jesus. I've got to have Jesus.
Do you want Him today? If so, what is standing in your way? When I was growing up in the church, there was one thing that they always taught us in my little independent holiness church, and I got to close. I know I've been too long. But there's one spiritual principle that my little church taught me, and it stuck with me all these years. And they said this. They said, you will always, and I mean always, be as close to God as you want to be. Back then, I had no earthly idea what in the world they were talking about. Today, I do. Today, I do. Because there is nobody responsible for your spiritual growth. It is not your pastor. No, sir. Don't try to put that burden on me. That's not my responsibility. I preach the word. I deliver the word. That's all I do. And my job stops right there. It is up to you whether you're going to digest it and eat the whole book or if you're going to spit out the parts that you don't like and just keep what you like. Where you are with Jesus isn't between me and, and Jesus. It's between you and Jesus. Are you hungry today? On your best day, you have not even scratched the surface of how God wants to work in your life, of how God wants to use you. Are you hungry today? Because I'm telling you, I am hungry for an outpouring of the Holy Ghost like I've never seen before. I am literally starving for His presence. God help us. We come to your house every single Sunday. Some are more faithful than others. And we come into your house and we sing our songs. I preach a little sermon and we leave your house every Sunday. Many times the same way that we walked in, God forgive us. You expect more than that. Give us a hunger. Give us a thirsting. Are you ready for it, child of God? Are you ready for it, child of God? Are you hungry for it, believer? Are you ready for it, Gap Hill? Can we host the presence of God? Can we host His presence? You hear of revivals that break out across the land. It's not because they were doing anything special that we, you know, ordinarily don't do. They went to church just like we did. They did typical church like we did. But one Sunday was different than the other Sundays. And that is that they got to a place of hunger and thirst that they said, God, we will host your presence. You can come in this house and we don't want you just to come and show up on Sunday and leave. We want you to fill this house with your presence. We want you to live in this place. We want you to uh, uh, occupy this place. We want to walk in and feel the thickness of the power of God in this place. Are you ready for it, Gap Hill Church? There is no middle ground. We've got to get serious about this thing. 
back in the day, I'm, I'm, I'm closing. I've done enough. Back in the day, I had people that would come to the altar and they would pray. Right? They'd pray. But then I'd have some people come to the altar and they'd really, really pray. And Johnny, there was this one guy in my church when I was growing up that I would, I would, I would mean to do it. And I would go and I would kneel right beside that man. I'm going to admit it. I didn't even pray. Brian, I'd sit there and I'd listen to him because I had never heard anybody pray like that man prayed. And just listening to him talk to Jesus the way he talked to Jesus, boy, it made me so hungry for something more than I had. I was a preacher. I'm full of the Holy Ghost. But when I heard that old man pray, something stirred up in me and said, son, don't you want to pray like that? Don't you want to feel what that man feels? Oh, God, I hope y'all can feel my heart today. I got, I got to close. Oh, Jesus. Today, the altar is open. It's open. We're going to sing a song here in just a minute. I don't care if you come to the altar. I don't care if you pray at your seat. I don't care what you do. Again, my job's over. I preach my sermon. I'm done. The ball is now in your court. And you have to make a personal decision as to whether you're going to try to stay in this middle ground and be religious like the people in my text or you're going to be like that guy that got healed shouting in the church saying, hey, Jesus is here. Do you want him today? Sing it. Oh, I trust in God. I trust in God. My Savior. My Savior.